0: following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 1015 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Ezekiel 33 is where we're going to begin today. Um, It's interesting to to think uh, about how much of our life, the portion of our life that we spend, or our lives collectively, that we spend watching. Just watching. Literally. Now, now for a moment, let's leave work out of it, because we know that work is a huge, huge chunk of our life. Um, uh, and when I say work, I'm talking about work outside the home, because there's work within the home as well, and that's also a huge chunk of our life. But for, for a moment, let's just think about the things, even this past couple of weeks, the time you have spent watching things. And I just listed um, now, I, I didn't do a survey, so I can't call this any type of top five, top three list or anything, but I have a feeling that these would rank somewhere near the top of a lot of us. Um, um, we spend a good portion of our lives watching, or just, I mean, we'll just be honest here, TV, all right? I mean, we, we do. We, we spend a chunk of our time Doing that, uh, I, I, what they learn at school, Addison. They call it screen time, right? And we know that that isn't just the TV, but it's the phone, it's the tablets, the computer, whatever it might be. What about this one, parents? This one, you know this. One. Kids' activities. How much time you spend watching, politely, not yelling at referees or coaches, just just watching or or dance recitals or. Or And the list goes on and on. How many of you watched some graduations these past couple of weeks? All right. Um, How about this one? Bees? I like watching bees. Just got some bees this week. Um, Hopefully um, a little more successful. than I I killed last year's bees. Um, Unfortunately, they starved to death. Yep, you can call me cruel. Sorry. Um, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, Hopefully going to go a little better this time around. Um, What about this one? What about this one? What about corks? You ever spent much time watching corks? All right, the ones that go in the water with a hook underneath them, okay? But on that, um, my mom now some of you are going to find this unusual, but my mom could literally spend an entire day at a busy mall, not shopping, but sitting in the middle of it and just watching people. And she I mean she could be in- incredibly entertained by doing this now not my dad my dad would be in the car sitting as he's waiting while mom's sitting in the mall if that was the day that was going on but we just spend so much time watching here's a question are you a good watcher are you good at it are you patient are you awake you know some people claim to be good patient watchers when in reality they're good sleepers because they're not awake okay all right um Ezekiel. I know you're probably wondering, what in the world all of this has to do with Ezekiel? Well, Ezekiel was, in the Old Testament, a major prophet. And that doesn't mean he was any more important than any of the other prophets of the Old Testament. But we've thrown these names onto the books of the Old Testament, the major and the minor prophets. It has nothing to do with importance. It has to do with how much they wrote. Right? And Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote a lot. Okay, so we call them the major prophets. And Ezekiel, uh, he was a powerful one, all right? And he had a pretty important job that he was given by God. And he was a prophet at a pretty, pretty rough time in the, in the history of the Old Testament, and specifically in the history of Israel, more specifically in the smaller nation of Judah. And Ezekiel was a prophet to the kings, to the people of Judah, um, near the end for them because they would be carried away. They just, for too many generations, they didn't listen to God. And God finally got tired of it. And they were carried away into captivity, conquered and carried away by the nation of Babylon. All right, And Ezekiel was a prophet near the end when all this happened, as well as after they were carried away to Babylon. So this this was not an easy job. Ezekiel was given... Not only a responsibility, he was given a job so important that he was labeled by this job. And here you go. Now you understand what we're getting at. The label that he was given by God was this. God said, Ezekiel, you will be a watchman. A watchman. The the Hebrew word is staffah. Okay? You got that? Literally, it means this, to lean forward and peer into the distance. Kings had these watchmen, all right? The kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, and the kings of all the other nations as well. They had these watchmen, and their place was on the tower. And it was their job to what? (laughs) To watch. And to watch intently. You better not get caught sleeping on that job or off with your head all right that's how important this job was now ezekiel's responsibility wasn't to be a watchman for a king his job was much bigger than that as we've already said we're going to look at ezekiel more specifically you can turn to ezekiel 33 and i don't have it marked i'm sorry about that so i'll give you some time to find it as well ezekiel Thirty-three. Now, we'll see in this, this word watchman used, and it's not the only time it's used in the Ezekiel book of the Bible. You'll see it used a number of different times. All right, Ezekiel 33, we're going to begin with verse 1. It says this, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people, and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land, and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he who hears the trumpet and does not take warning, a sword comes and takes him away, and his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be upon himself. Had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes a person from them, he's taken away in his iniquity. And his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to you, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from your hand. But if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, then he will die in his iniquity, and you will have delivered your life. As I already told you, Ezekiel had an incredibly difficult job. It was his job to give people warning who did not want to hear the warning. Much like another major prophet, Jeremiah. Both of these men spent... Tremendous amount of time in their life, warning a stubborn people who would not listen. I'll tell you what: there's not much more difficult job than this. Speak truth to stubborn people who don't want the truth. It's not a fun job. And and God also says, and Ezekiel, I'm not sending you to strangers. I'm not sending. You're not going to have to learn five different foreign languages from a Rosetta Stone. To, to speak to these people. That's not who I'm sending you to. Turn in Ezekiel 30 chapters earlier. Ezekiel chapter 3. Or punch it in there on your phone. Ezekiel chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse 4. And just read a few verses here. Ezekiel writing says, Then God said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but you're being sent to the house of Israel. Nor to many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should what? Listen to you. And a little bit later after he says this, once again, God gives Ezekiel the title watchman. Here's the question. What does Ezekiel's God-given responsibility have to do with us today? Who are today's? Watchmen. All right, we're going to turn some pages over now. Turn to Acts. Acts chapter 20. It is the, we're just going from a book of prophecy from the Old Testament to a book of history from the New Testament. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter twenty verse twenty eight. Let me tell you what's going on here a little bit. Um, The apostle Paul, somewhat, somewhat kind of like history repeating itself. You see, you see Jesus. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning, Um, and and what we talked about was Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem near the end of his life, and everybody knew that when he got to Jerusalem, trouble was awaiting him there. But but it didn't stop Jesus from going. He went anyway. And Paul was very similar to this. He knew that going to Jerusalem in the latter part of his ministry in that part of the world was going to bring trouble. But yet he felt very firmly the call of God for him to go there anyway, to go to Jerusalem. So he's making his way and he's going from town to town, visiting the churches on the way in the cities in whom he's established churches, and he's talking with the churches. And every single church is like, Don't go to Jerusalem, Paul, are you crazy? And he's like, stop saying that. You're breaking my heart, people. I got to go. And he was specifically speaking at this time to the elders from the church in Ephesus. Now remember that, elders. Okay, shepherds. All right, Acts 20, verse 28. This is Paul speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And he says this, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Overseers, watchmen. All right, now turn over to Hebrews. Hebrew, oh my goodness, I just just flipped right there. That, I love it when that happens. It's like boom, and it's there. Love it. All right. Anyway, okay. No, sorry, I'm kind of dorky. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. Hebrews 13, 15 through 17. Now, this is the author of Hebrews, one of the most technical, powerful books of the New Testament. All right? Very practical, has some pretty tough things to say sometimes. We looked at last week together as we wrapped up the sermon in Hebrews chapter 6. But now we're in Hebrews chapter 13. And this is the author writing to a church, specifically writing to Jewish Christians. That's why it's entitled Hebrews. This is what he says, Hebrews thirteen fifteen through 17. says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, and the hymn is Jesus. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Then he says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. What does it say about the role of elders within the congregation? It's this, they keep watch over your souls. And then the author of Hebrews follows that with this. He says, Make this, a, make this a fun job, <laughs> not a hard job. You know, it's interesting, Larry Osborne, I'm a big fan of his, he's a preacher out in San Diego, California, North Coast Church, and um, he has some interesting things to say about eldership within church, and specifically he's talking about the, 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 the title of, of the book is Sticky Leaders, it has to do with bees, sorry, <laughs> okay, he just uses that illustration, but I won't get into all that, we'll be here all day. He says this, he said, in a healthy church, the roles of elders can be somewhat boring, all right, because they are praying for the congregation, they are teaching the congregation, and they are there to clean up the messes sometimes of a congregation, all right? And he said, it is a very, very difficult job at times, and sometimes can be somewhat boring. Now, we're talking about North Coast Church. We're talking about a multi-campus church of over 40,000 people, okay? Just let your brain set on that for a little while, okay? My question, thinking all through that, is this for me personally. I still, to this day, do not see myself as an elder, Steve. I just don't. He's out doing security. I think today. Um, Am I making the job personally of those over me who, because I'm in full time ministry, they're also happen to be my bosses? (laughs) Am I making their job easy or difficult? Are they knocking on my door and saying, why in the world are you doing this? Does anybody like knocking on people's doors and saying, why are you doing this? Does does anybody like those jobs? I can tell you right now, leadership doesn't like them. And what he says here in the book of Hebrews, is, says, these are watchers over your souls. Make their job easy, not difficult. Now, look somewhere else. 1 Timothy. First Timothy, then we're going to broaden this thing out big time, alright? First Timothy chapter four. I got you running all over the place in your Bible. Sorry about that. Again, I don't apologize for it, so I'm not sorry about it. All right. First Timothy four sixteen. This is interesting. Paul is writing to this to his young protege, Timothy, who is not an elder within a church. You know what Timothy was? He was the dude who appointed the elders in the churches. Okay? And this is what he tells Timothy. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 16. Pay close attention to yourself. Does anybody have an NIV out there? If it does, it doesn't say pay close attention. What's it say? Watch your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and those who hear you. Who is Paul telling Timothy to watch? Himself and his teaching. To be a watchman of himself. You know the most thankless job among pets? I know there's a lot of jobs among pets out there, okay? I think the most thankless job is suburban watchdogs, okay? Because those poor, little, those poor little mutts, sometimes big mutts, they're just doing their job. When they're barking at 2 o'clock in the morning, what are they doing? Their job, their job. How are they supposed to know? Can we tell them what to warn us of? No, we just tell them, warn us. They're just doing their jobs, And when one of them does his job, guess what? The other 15, they do their jobs. And then before you know it, you've got four city blocks of dogs doing their jobs. And pretty soon you hear dads doing their jobs, telling the watchdogs to shut up, okay? Now, I have it on very good authority. I'm not using any names, not gonna do anything. But my brother-in-law... Okay, I have, I'm not going to tell you which brother-in-law, because I got a lot of them. All right? it on pretty good authority that once upon a time, he was known to, at 3 o'clock in the morning, shoot a dog with a BB gun that was not his. Now, he only pumped it up, not 10 times, two. He said, I never brought blood. I said, did you ever go inspecting? He said, well, no, but I don't think I did. You know, he said, five shots, all it took, and he'd shut up. <laughs> not telling you which brother-in-law, don't ask me, not going to say it. Most thankless job in the world, all right? That can be a, a thankless job, to be the watchers in somebody's life, and every one of us in this room, you fulfill this role, men and women. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Who who is the watcher? Who are the watchers in my in our spiritual life? Who, who are the watchers in our church's spiritual life? Because they'll look a little different. And this one, here's a big one, families. Who are the watchers in your families? Your families spiritual? Life. Because, folks, the stakes are high. Why don't you turn to James chapter 5? The book of James is an incredible book of the Bible. Probably It's a favorite of many and yet it's like a love-hate relationship because it's so practical and yet sometimes it's so blunt and it tells us what to do so specifically that we cannot question what we're supposed to do but it's not easy what it says to do. And the end, the very end of it is so difficult because I can tell you what, So let me read it for you. James chapter 5. The very last two verses of the entire letter. Entire book. James says, my brothers. If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back. Let him know he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. Will save his soul from death. And will cover a multitude of sins. When we see somebody we love, a brother or sister messing up, we are not to point. We're not to point it out to others. We're to go to our brother or our sister in love and make them aware of the danger. But if we're talking about watch and we're talking about the role of watchers doing this, making others aware of danger, then we have to address the elephant in the room, and it's this, the world in which we live. Is there anyone in this world in more danger than those facing eternity without Jesus? I don't care what conditions physically, I don't care what conditions socio politically that people find themselves in in the midst of this world there are horrible situations people are in this world but none of them compare to the danger of facing eternity without Jesus. Brothers and sisters, We have been called to watch. And and I'm so sorry, those Everclear fans out there, West Coast, I'm really dating myself here. Oh, my goodness. It's clear back in the college days. Going to sit back and watch the world burn. Now, that's not what we are called to do. We have been called to watch... And warn. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. Folks, I don't we looked at this just a few weeks ago, and I don't think we can look at this passage of scripture enough. I honestly don't think we can. So please turn there. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. Getting just a little ways into verse 8, it says this The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. This is Paul writing this. He says this That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for those who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And now it gets personal. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. What was Ezekiel's job? Was Ezekiel's job to save the nation of Israel? So, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if that was his job, he failed miserably. Judah didn't listen. Judah was taken captive and carted over on the other part of their known world and placed in captivity. The walls of Jerusalem were torn down, the city was ransacked. If it was Ezekiel's job to keep that from happening, he failed. But that was not his job. His job was not to save Israel. What was his job? To warn Israel. What's your job? What's my job? To save lost souls? No. That's Jesus' job. It's our job to warn. It's our job to open up our mouths and speak the truth. And, folks, we cannot fall into the trap of watering it down and just saying, yeah, God is all love, just all love. Is God love? He absolutely is love. God is love personified. But our message, if that's our simple message, if that's all our message amounts to, if there is no danger element involved in this, who is going to listen? We can never forget the heart of our message is this, for people to be delivered from catastrophe. Because facing eternity without Jesus is catastrophe that we cannot even fathom. Acts 2.40, it's interesting, we focus on Acts 2.36, 37, and 38, we kind of forget about verse 40 because of the good news that happens there because Paul is concluding, or Paul is Peter is concluding along with the other disciples the very first gospel sermon ever preached. The gospel sermon is this, Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And by that power, we might be saved. That's the gospel. And they were preaching the very first one ever in the heart of Jerusalem, the very city where they killed Jesus a few weeks earlier. And he gets to the wrapping up that sermon, and people are already beginning to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, Peter, what do we do? And Peter tells them what to do. And then what does he say? He says, in verse 40, he says, Be saved from this wicked and perverse generation. Paul did, Peter, I keep on saying Paul, because his message was the same. Peter did not hold punches. He didn't say, folks, okay, if you can go away from here, if you don't listen, that's okay. The seed's been planted. It's all right. It's all right. You know, go live your life and maybe you'll be okay on judgment day. No, he says, no, you're going to die. You're going to face the wrath of God. If you don't have Jesus. Do we believe that? Do we really honestly, in our heart of hearts, believe that people without Jesus in their life are going to hell? Has that thought crossed our minds this week? Because every one of us in this room know people that we love. People that we care about and people that we can't stand who don't have Jesus. And we're watching. Are we warning? 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. It's all about how powerful real, real love is. And it's interesting, when you wrap up, I mean, the midst of that incredible passage of scripture about love is, is surrounded by spiritual gifts a talk that that Paul is having about spiritual gifts to the church in Corinth. And, And it's amazing that he wraps up love and in verse 14, he talks, he's still talking about love and he connects it with something. He connects it with prophecy. And prophecy is just a fancy way of saying preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And he takes preaching and he connects it with what? Love. Love. Guys, I'm tell you what. If you become a true watchman like Ezekiel was, and you don't just watch, but you and I, we warn people, it's a pretty thankless job. And you're going to feel like a suburban watchdog sometimes getting shot with a BB gun at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and you're going to be like the other prophet, Jeremiah, when he said, I'm done. God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. They're so stinking stubborn. They're not listening. And then right after he says that, Jeremiah says, I'm not done, Lord. If I try to keep my mouth shut, it's a fire in my bones. And I just can't keep it in. What about you and me? Is it a fire in our bones? Is, is, is the message of Jesus Christ a fire in your bones? Folks, love is the only thing that will keep us going when it comes to a thankless job, like being a watchdog sometimes. A real love for real people in this world. A love like Jesus loves with. A radical, that's the word JB attaches to love, and I appreciate often, radical love. We all watch a lot in this world, don't we? A few more graduations left out there, some weddings coming up. We'll watch, we'll witness. We'll watch a few baseball and softball games this year. Any parents out there? Uh huh. Maybe you're going on vacation and you're going to watch the waves come in at a beautiful beach. You're going to watch. I mean, it's so much of what we do in this life. We watch a lot. The real question is, the one that really matters is this. What is the purpose of our watching? Is our watching going to be connected to warning? And is our warning going to be connected to to love. A deep, abiding love for the stubborn people. We're trying to get to Jesus. That's our question this week, folks. Would you stand with me, please? The Lord's working on your heart in any way whatsoever. Maybe the Holy Spirit It's placed a level of warning in your soul. If you don't have Jesus in your life, people, and I mean a a personal connection to the maker of this world. If you go to meet his father... We call him God. Without Jesus as your personal defense attorney, you will lose. And you will spend an eternity in hell. If you don't have Jesus in your life, maybe today is the day to do something about that.